Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter this evening? 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Let's just pray before we read this. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of being with you this evening, being with each other. Your spirit is our teacher. Your words are life to us, health to all our flesh. Open our eyes to see reality of redemption and what is ours in Christ. And we purpose not to be hearers only, but doers. And we know as we do, we will be blessed and get glory to yourself in our lives in every way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. You do understand that's the only people who are blessed. You know, people, just meeting goers are not blessed. Just church attendees, just church members, just Bible toters, just tape players, just note takers. If that's all you do, you won't be blessed. It's only the doer, amen, which explains a lot. You know, how can somebody, quote, be in the Word for 12 years, 20 years, 30 years, and still have the same problems they had 30 years ago? Hmm? Not doers. So it makes no difference how loud you shout and, and how many notes you take and how many tapes you got. It all boils down to this. What do you live? What do you do? Amen. I know my uh, grandmother is in heaven now. And she was a godly woman. Pillar in the church. And in the church they were in, they were pretty, they were very Pentecostal. And uh, liked to shout and dance and run. And there was always talk about who was a hypocrite. And somebody shouted that shouldn't, shouldn't have been shouting. And somebody was praising God too loud that wasn't living right. You know, oh, they're a hypocrite. I know what they were doing last week. And so somebody came over to my grandma's house and I happened to be there. And they were trying to get her to talk about this person. About how old so-and-so is a hypocrite. They was up there shouted their hair down. Anybody know what that is? That's when you had long hair and you had about 150 bobby pins, <laughs> hair pins, huh? About a, or 200. And you get to shouting and shaking and those pins start flying. Boing, boing. And after a while you, you shout your hair down. Well, that's, you're having a good service when you do that. And so, uh, this lady had shouted her hair down and they was trying to talk about that. And uh, I was listening to what she was going to say because she was real good about not talking about people. And she just smiled and sweetly and said, well, she said, shouting's good. <laughs> Shout loud. She said, running's good. You know, praising God, dancing is good. She said, shout loud, jump high, run fast. She said, just walk straight when you hit the ground. <laughs> I thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is the test, isn't it? I mean, you know, I don't care how much you shout and carry on in church and talk in tongues and wave your hands. It's when you hit the ground. How do you walk? How do you live? Say it one more time. I'm a doer, not just a talker. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. You find that scripture yet? 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he has made him, talking about Jesus, God the Father has made him Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made do you see that word made? Jesus was made sin. The words to be are in italics. means they are added. So it just literally says he made him sin for us. But it qualifies he didn't know any sin. Jesus never personally committed any sin. Did he? Never failed. Never failed God. Never disobeyed God. There was no sin in him, and yet he was made sin. Is that true? Yeah. Now, this is one of the greatest things you could ever know as a Christian. He didn't just sympathize with our sin. 
didn't just empathize with our sin. He didn't, wasn't just touched with our sin. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, the scripture said. That's not the same thing as this. He was what? Made sin. Did he become sin? Was he made sin? The answer is yes. Now you have to get that settled in your spirit. Uh, Folk don't like to hear that. They don't like the word sin and Jesus in the same sentence. (laughs) But if he was not made sin with our sin, then our sin remains on us. Was he made sin? We went into some detail about how he was made sin with our sin. We talked a little bit about how, you know, in Numbers 21, that Moses was told by the Lord to raise up a brass snake on a pole. You remember that? He told him everyone that looked would be healed. Well, in John, the third chapter, where we get our famous John 3.16, if you look there just a couple of verses before and after, he says that just like Moses raised up that serpent on the pole, even so Jesus must be lifted up and raised up. Jesus compares himself to that brass snake on the pole. Now, that doesn't seem to gel in our minds. Why a snake on a pole? How would that be a type of Jesus on the cross? Brass represents judgment. And the snake represents the enemy and sin and the work of sin and curse. How could all that represent Jesus? Because as Jesus hung there on the cross, he was made sin. And judgment fell on him there. He literally became sin with all the sin of past, present, and future generations. That was the thing he recalled from in the garden. It wasn't just the physical pain of being nailed to the cross only. It was him. He saw in the spirit. He knew, understood the prophecies in Isaiah that applied to him and all the rest. How that his visage and form would be more marred than any of the sons of men. Well, that's not just what the soldiers or what the cross did to him. That's what sin did to him on the inside. And that's why he hung there and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because even though he was pure and sinless and spotless, he took our place. And he became sin with our sin. And the full judgment, the full punishment for sin fell on him. Do you believe that? Why did he do all that? He, not for himself. He never made a mistake. He did it for us. I said he did it for us. Did he take our sin? Did he bear it? Was he punished for it? Was he judged for it? What does that do to us? How does that affect us? Keep reading. Look at it again. Verse 21. For he, God, has made him, Jesus, sin. For who? For us. He knew no sin. But he made him sin for us. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Just as surely as he was made sin, we are made righteous. Whether you understand that or not, believe it. Whether you understand that or not, confess it. Amen? Oh, what it does to your life. When you realize that you're no longer under the penalty of sin. And God does not look at us as though we've sinned. He looks at us in the righteousness of Christ. Can you say amen? Oh, this is exciting. I get excited just thinking about what I'm about to say next. I mean... (laughs) Because it's reality. Amen. Now let's talk about what righteousness means. Because it's a, it's a King James word. And somewhere or another it just kind of goes over people's head. They hear righteousness and they've heard it so much it sounds familiar. And they know it's good somewhere or another. Uh, but they don't have a clue what it means. What is righteousness? 
I've looked up these things again recently reminding myself, and I can come up with no better definition than this. Right. You're made right with God. Another word that's prominent in the definition is innocent. Innocent. Hallelujah. Now you can't be righteous and unrighteous. You can't be innocent and guilty. Was he made sin with our sin? Then are we made right with his rightness? Hmm? Now here's something you have to just accept by faith. Whose rightness is it? It's not ours. Our rightness. Now I'm going to use different words instead of righteousness because I want to jar your thinking a little bit. Our innocence, our rightness was as filthy rags in his sight. The best we could do in living right and being good is unacceptable to him. No person is saved by being a good person. You know, it's dangerous. You hear the talk of many people in different churches. And it the central theme of the book of Romans that we're reading right now. And the epistles as we go into them. Particularly uh, Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and Hebrews. The central theme is, it is not by works. It is by grace through faith. Amen. And don't you think that that's an old issue? That is the issue today. That will always be the issue. We have millions of people today who are trying to be saved through good deeds. And people who have this concept of one day they're going to get to heaven and meet Peter at the pearly gate. And there will be a great big scale and a balance there. And their good works will be on one side. And their mistakes will be on the other side. And whichever one balances, weighs out, that determines whether they get in or whether they don't. Absolutely not. I said absolutely not. And if you're counting on being a good person to get to heaven, you are lost. Don't care what you've done. Don't care how many good deeds you have done. I don't care. I mean, you know, well, let me just read it to you from the scripture. It says it better than I could ever say it. In 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, he goes on to say this. He said, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and I give my body to be burned, and have not this God kind of love, it profits me nothing. Good works done just to be works, done to try to save yourself, profits nothing. You could give every dime you have, you could lay your life down for somebody else, and that will not save you. How many understand being a good person can never save a human being? And you think folk would know this, but I'm telling you, millions do not. Millions are confused about this one thing right here. Well, I'll give some money to the church and I'll be a good person and I'll help this and we'll do this. Well, that's great, but that's got nothing to do with you being saved. Nothing. No amount of being a good person has ever, can ever save a human being. There was only one thing in all time and eternity that was valuable enough to purchase a soul. It was and is the blood of the spotless lamb. Hallelujah. And it was shed for us. And he redeemed us. Redeem means bought us. And bought us back. Glory to God. You know, God is so good. I said, he is so good. He owns us multiple times over. I mean, he made us. He made the earth. He made human beings. And he gave man and woman a free will to choose. And they chose. And everybody since then chose wrong. And because of choosing wrong, the man was sold to sin and lost themselves. Well, here the Lord comes back in and buys what was already his by creation. Isn't that something? (laughs) Bought us and there was only one thing in the universe that was valuable enough to buy us. 
the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he paid that price for us. Next time the devil tells you you ain't worth much, ask him why in the world then did God pay so much for you? God's not dumb. He doesn't pay a gazillion dollars for a five dollar item. Does he? You are the apple of his eye. There is nothing in the universe more valuable and precious to him than you and I. Devil's such a liar. Tries to tell you you're not worth much and your body's not worth much and your life is not worth much. It's because he's jealous and he wants to deceive you. No, you are precious. You are a one of a kind. Thought about that? There's only one like you. And there'll always ever only be one just like you. You are a one of a kind masterpiece of God. The devil just tries to draw your attention to your mistakes and your mess ups. But listen, God ain't through with you. This is faith school. We're just getting ready for the real stuff. Amen. He's training us. Is that right? To what? To rule and to reign with him. He's got a huge plan out beyond this earth stuff. Forever and ever and ever, you are going to judge angels. You. I'm not making this up as I go along. Am I quoting scriptures? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you read this? And it starts with this. You've been made right with God through Jesus' own rightness. Now, here's the thing I was getting to. Whose rightness is it? Jesus. Was Jesus right with the Father? Was he ever wrong? Was he ever off? Never. He was always right with the Father. His whole life through, all of his prayer life, all of his fellowship, all of his ministry, he was always perfectly right with the Father God. No hindrance of sin, no failure, no shortcoming. Perfectly right. And yet, though he was so perfectly right, he became sin, was made sin with our sin, and paid the price for it. Have we been made right with his rightness with God? Then are we as right with God as he is? Have to be, because it's his rightness. Now, you need to think on that one a while. I said, you need to think on that one a while. It's his rightness. Somebody said, yeah, but Brother Keith, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know. But what sin was that that he was made sin with? It was that sin. Well, now, brother, we're just, we're just old sinners saved by grace. You can't have it both ways. You're either a sinner or you're saved. Hmm? But we're all sinners. I refuse to take that turn. I've made mistakes. Yes, I have. But I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. I'm either guilty or I'm innocent. I'm either right with God or I'm wrong with God. He's either holding my sins against me or he's not. Hmm? I'm innocent. I said, I'm innocent. You know, I mean, the, the TV and all the shows and everything is just full of courtroom scenes now. Seems like everything you see, Phyllis is a courtroom fanatic, man. I mean, she's, if it's got a lawyer and a judge, she's ready. She wants to see it. Well, you know that all through the book of Romans, it's not always easily seen in the King James English, but it's full of legal terminology. Study it out sometime, you'll see. It's full of legal terminology. And he was made sin so that we could be made righteous. And he is called our advocate, which is another word for attorney who represents us. You know, sometimes when people hear the word, he ever lives to make intercession for us. And they think of somebody kneeling and praying. 
But really the more accurate term is somebody in the courtroom who is interceding, who is representing you, who is a mediator between you and the judge. And that's really a more accurate understanding of him ever living to make intercession for us. He pleads our case. And he's never lost a case. But there's a lot of people who've lost their own case. I don't care how good of an attorney you have. If you take the stand and plead guilty, you're done. You can have the best attorney in the world. Is that right? You can have the guy, the sharpest attorney in the world. And you can get up on the stand and grab the rail and go, I did it. I did it. I'm guilty of sin. You ought to send me to the pen. I did it. I don't care who your attorney is. You're done. Right? Oh, well, friend, I want you to understand that you have an advocate. You have a mediator. And if you'll listen to him, I don't care how bad you messed up and they put you under the jailhouse. And if all of them saying that you're going to fry for this, your attorney will come and meet you in the deepest, darkest dungeon. And he'll say, that's all right. I'm on your case, Rick. And I've never lost a case, but you got to help me out now. Take this manuscript and study it. And this is all you say. You got me now. This is all you say. Amen. Well, now, listen, friend, this book, this New Testament does not say you are guilty. It does not say you're unworthy. It does not say you deserve to be punished. And yet that's what's been preached in the church for centuries. So many of the songs are just about how unworthy we are and how we don't deserve anything and how how we we're like worms. You know it's true. And Christians have been preached at like sinners. Some folk, bless their heart, that's all they know. But every Sunday, they preach to the, it might not be a person there that needs to get saved, but they preach to all of them like they need to get saved. Hmm? Bunch of sinners. Bunch of sorry rascals. God let you live this week, but you don't deserve it. You know it's true. And it's one reason why a lot of folk in the world hate us. Because all they've heard is superiority and condemnation and judgment. And it's not the gospel. It is not the Bible. It is not the truth. Christians need to know that they've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And that God is not imputing our trespasses and our sins against us. He's not holding against us our mistakes. They've been put on Jesus. And he's paid the price for it. And now we've been made just as right with God as Jesus is. Because it's his rightness with God we've been given. And it's received by faith. Will that do anything for you? When that revelation gets inside you. Oh, are you kidding me? It will release your faith. Faith will rise up in you like a giant. You'll pray, hallelujah, like Elijah. Amen. And you'll intercede like Moses. I mean like Abraham, I should say, and Moses. Boldness will come into you. Not arrogance, but boldness and confidence You'll truly not just talk about it and quote it. You'll come boldly into the very throne room of God and get mercy and grace to help for yourself and for other people. You'll look the devil square in the eye and not wince. (laughs) You'll know that it's true that when you resist him, he has to flee from you. You'll use the name. That's greater than every name that's named in the heavens and all the earth. Amen. Amen. You'll require that every knee of every foul thing must bow. Amen. You'll walk like Jesus walked. You'll pray like Jesus prayed. Why? Because you've been given the same rightness 
of fellowship that he had as he walked the earth. This has not been preached like it should have been. This has not been confessed and taught. Let me charge you now, friends, to break yourself from the habit of singing unworthy songs and talking about how you're not worthy and how that you don't deserve and, and how that, I mean, if you got, you know, sometimes people even say that thinking wrongly. Something bad happened in their life. They might say it on the other side. I don't understand why this happened to me. What did I ever do to deserve this? The answer is lots. <laughs> Plenty. If you and I got what we deserve, have we sinned and come short of the glory of God? If we got what we deserved, we'd live under the full brunt of the curse all of our short, miserable life, and we'd die prematurely and go to hell and spend eternity there if we got what we deserved. So we don't want to talk about what we deserve. <laughs> Just forget that. I've had people sometimes tell me, well, you know, maybe a blessing come on our life. And they say, well, you've worked hard. You know, you deserve that. I don't even like to hear you say that. It's not true. God's just good to us. Amen. Every blessing I have, every blessing you have is not because we earned it. It's not because we merited it. It's not because we deserved it because of what we've done. We do deserve it, though, because of what Jesus did for us. It belongs to us because of what he's done. Amen. Go with me, if you would, back to the book of Genesis. And let's talk about this some more. What has happened in the church being preached condemnation? Condemnation just simply means guiltiness. If you're not right with God, then you're, you're wrong. If you're not innocent, you're guilty. And People have only looked at what their previous life, their mistakes, their sins, and based on the knowledge of their mistakes, they are aware that I'm not up to the standard of perfection. I am not perfect like Jesus. And that's all that's been talked about. And people leave the impression that, well, we're saved from hell. But that's really it. We are much more than saved from hell. Hmm? Was Jesus made sin with our sin? You read it, right? Where is he right now? Huh? Is he as close to the Almighty Father as anybody can get? Huh? Is he in the very presence of the Almighty? Is he in the throne room? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Wasn't he made sin? How is he there now? Being made sin. Have you thought about that? If he really became sin, we know he was in the heart of the earth three days and nights. We know he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? How then is he sitting in the presence of the Almighty right now? Because he put away sin. And that sin was our sin. So that means you and I have also been made to sit together with him in heavenly places. You and I can approach the throne as though we never made a mistake. As though we never committed even one sin. Hallelujah. Is that true? Amen. His being there proves we can come there. And we're actually there in the Spirit in Him. Now look at the difference. I want to begin to draw a contrast. In the beginning, God made man, He made the woman, and they were right with Him, weren't they? God did not make any imperfect creation. He made them perfect in spirit. He made them perfect in mind. Their spirits were pure and clean. Their minds were brilliant. People try to sell us on evolution. That, you know, like one fellow said, from the goo to the zoo to you. 
I do not believe in evolution as many stated. I believe in devolution. Devolution. It's a word. What does that mean? That man was created perfect and able to fellowship with God and has devolved to the state where many today live and act like animals. But God did not create us that way. No, he didn't. When God made man, he made him able to fellowship with him on his level. That takes something. I said, that takes something. We see God would come down in the cool of the day and talk to them and they could talk to him and understand him and commune with him on his level. That's amazing. Adam would look at a sunset and he'd say, God, how do you do that? And an hour later, he'd understand exactly how God does it. He'd tell him and he knew. Understood it. I mean, that's not somebody running around naked with an arrowhead trying to catch a rabbit. (laughs) And God brought the animals to Adam, didn't he? And he said, Adam, what would you call this? And Adam named all the animals. Now, that doesn't just mean he named him Tim and Buffy and Spot. He understood their nature enough to give them their correct name. The name for the species, the name for the animal. Understood what they were in the creation of God. Brilliant beyond our imagination. You know the good news is we're getting back to that. (laughs) God's bringing us back to that. Soon and very soon, no more fuzzy thinking. (laughs) No more looking up going, duh, I don't know. (laughs) But something very tragic happened. God told them of every tree they could eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and what? Evil. He said, don't eat of it. You know the story. They did. And notice what happened immediately after they did. Genesis 3, 7. They sinned. When you sin, then you're not right with God. And you're not right with yourself. See, everything was changed the moment they sinned. They weren't right with each other. They weren't right with their own self. How many understand when you sin, your own heart condemns you? You're not right with yourself. And you're not right with other people, particularly if you've sinned against them. And you're not right with God. Everybody say, not right. And the moment it says the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked, they're no longer innocent. That's one of the definitions of righteousness is that you're innocent and that you're right. And they sowed fig leaves together and they made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice or the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the wind, he was in the wind as it came through. And this is obviously something that they had been doing and known about before. But this time Adam and his wife did what? Now I'm beginning to talk about characteristics and telltale signs of Christians who do not know they are the righteousness of God. People as a whole in Christendom are more aware of their sin than they are of their righteousness in God. And it has been the tool the enemy has used to keep people stripped of their faith, paralyzed in their prayer life, and weak. In their whole Christian walk. Sin consciousness just means aware of sin. Are you aware of your sin? Are you aware of your shortcomings? Are you aware of your falling short? Most Christians are keenly aware. 
Because the devil, if you listen to him, he'll tell you about it all day long and all night long. He videos these things. And if you'll watch it, he'll play it for you. He'll say, look here, you messed up. Watch it again. And he'll back it up and play it for you again. Back it up and play it for you again. And you said this. Can't believe you said that. You're supposed to be a Christian. Look at you. Well, you're a pretty thing. Supposed to be living for God. And you did this. And he'll play it for you again. And play it for you again. And play it for you. If you're dumb, you'll listen to it. And watch it again and again and again. Until that's all you're aware of. It's what a miserable failure you are. Hmm? Now, friends, I'm not talking about something that applies to a couple of people somewhere. (laughs) I have counseled with people, many, sit around the desk from people and listen to them. And then people have brought me lists of why they're not fit to live. Why they're an unfit mother. Why they're an unfit wife. Why they're a sorry excuse for a husband. Why they don't deserve to be married. Why they don't deserve to have any blessing of God. I've had people actually give me a list of all the reasons why that they didn't deserve or wasn't fit to be where they were. It's kind of like this. I mean, I was talking to some a young couple that had just been married for a few months. And they were distraught. <laughs> and they came in and the... Uh, The young man was so distraught, and I said, what's wrong? He said, well, uh, I tell her that she's pretty, and I tell her that I love her, and she don't believe me. And she looked at him and said, you're just saying that. (laughs) I said, well, I said, are you just saying that? He said, no, I mean it. She said, you're just saying that. She said, you think I'm ugly? And he cried. He looked at me in desperation. He said, Brother Keith, I wouldn't have married her. I thought, I think she's beautiful. And I've told her so. You're just saying that. I said, who told you that you're ugly? Did he ever tell you that he thinks you're ugly? She said, no. I said, who told you that? Somebody else tell you that they heard him say that? Well, no. I said, who told you? She said, I said, the devil told you. And you got more faith in what the devil who hates you told you than you do in this man who loves you told you. I said, is that right? He was saying, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, right. I said, no, I don't think it's right. But, But my point is, people are so quick to believe anything negative. Aren't they? Oh man, and you, you could tell them they was the sorest thing that you've ever seen, and they pretty much believe that. I mean, if you tell them, boy, you are, you are a sad case. I stand you, you're a pitiful excuse for this and that. You're a bad wife, bad mama, bad Christian, bad daddy, and most of the time, what will people do? Even if they don't agree with you in their heart, they're thinking, well, ain't nobody perfect. <laughs> They are aware of their sin, which means they don't even believe they've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. They're not aware of his righteousness. When you're aware of your sin, it'll make you pull back. Notice what they did. They what? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Oh, God. I saw that just as clearly when I read that. That's what the masses of humanity are doing. They're running. They're trying to hide from God, trying to run from God. And the sad thing is, he's not mad at them. He's not holding their sins against them. Their sins have already been put on Jesus. He's already paid the price. If they'd just come and believe and receive, they could enjoy the close personal fellowship with God. They could draw just as near and close to the Father as the Master Jesus Himself because it's His own rightness He's given us to draw near with. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody said out loud, I am am the righteousness of God 
in Christ. I've been made right. And I am right. Completely right. With God. Hallelujah. What makes you that way? What he did and you believing it. Your faith is what receives this into your life. What he did and you believing it is what makes this true in your life for you. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They pulled back. Verse 10. He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was what? See, that's one of the outstanding characteristics of someone who does not know they're righteous. Afraid. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And the Lord said, who told you you were naked? I didn't tell you that. And he asked him, had he eaten the fruit? He told him not to. Go with me to Luke, would you, real quickly. Luke 5. This is the story of how Jesus used Peter's boat to preach in. And how then the the Lord told him and the fishermen to launch out into the deep, cast out their nets. And he said, well, you know, we fished all night and didn't get anything. But nevertheless, verse 5, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and the net break. And they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. I've been preaching all year on how that God's a too much God. Would God bust your net? Would God sink your boat? Think about I mean, just too many fish. When the net's breaking, when the ships are sinking, that's too many fish. We did a study about how God gave Abraham too many cows. and he, I mean, he gave him so many cows, they couldn't stay in the same county. He gave Jacob, and, and same thing with uh, Esau and Jacob, too many cows and, and too many goats. And is he not the God who will run your cup over? And if you tithe, pour out blessings, you don't have enough room to receive it. And Leviticus give you so much stuff that you have to bring out the old to make room for the new, it said. And then Luke, didn't he say the very next chapter here, that if you give, it'd be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and what? Well, that's too much. I said, that's too much. Is he not a too many goat, too many cow, too many sheep, cup running over, ship sinking, too much? Good God. That's him. He wants you to have too much. Amen. That's another message. And verse 8. Now get this. Peter is blessed. All these fishermen are blessed. They've heard the best message they've ever heard today. How many believe Jesus preached a good message? Man, they heard words that changed their life. They saw things happen in this meeting. Not only that. Here is these fish are how they make their living. This is money. And it's a lot of money. This may be the biggest catch they've ever had. Multiple ships sinking from too many fish. I guess if they hurried quick enough and got to the shore before they completely sank and hit the market, this is big money. This is one of the best days, maybe the best day, these guys have ever had in every way. And notice what happens. Verse 8, And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, Huh? Huh? What? Go away? Do you understand that? Why would you say go away? Read the rest of it. What does it say? Depart from me. Why? Huh? He wasn't just a sinful man. He was what? He was conscious of his sins. He was aware of his sins. He had no sense of righteousness. Now the price had not been paid. For all sins at that moment. But yet under the old covenant. Through animal sacrifice. That pointed towards the final sacrifice. They could experience. A limited righteousness. From year to year. I mean men like Joshua. Had enough boldness to pray in their limited righteousness. And see the sun stand still. 
Right? I mean, some of the most amazing things. And this was in a limited righteousness. Oh, but in God, in Christ, there's no more remembrance of sin. Amen? We're not reminded of it every year when the animal sacrifices are made. Sin has once and for all been put away. I want to say this to you. I want you to go to Hebrews, please, chapter 10. I'm trying to close. Commencing to get ready to start to quit. And I want you to say this out loud with me. Sin consciousness causes you to draw back and fear. But righteousness consciousness causes you to be bold and draw near. Do you see it? Being aware of your sin. Talking about how you failed. Talking about how you've come short. Can you see why the devil has worked so hard to even get it in the songs of the church and in the messages of the preachers about how unworthy we are? Why? Because if he can get us singing about how unworthy we are, we will draw back from God himself. We will fear. We certainly won't be bold with the enemy. We won't be bold to come in and receive the blessings of God. We won't be bold to take authority over the enemy. Say it one more time. Sin consciousness causes you to draw back and fear. But righteousness consciousness causes you to be bold and draw near. Now look in Hebrews. These are some of the most exciting things in the Word of God. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, 10 and 2. Well, let me read verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered Because that the worshipers once purged should have had what? No more conscience or, that word means awareness. No more consciousness of or awareness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Now let's just stop right there. I'm going to say something. There's an error that people get into in this so-called purging and cleansing, that they'll have people sit down and have them go back through all the sins of their past life and try to find problems. Friend, that is terribly wrong. When you know that you have repented and you've believed on God, and He said He's forgiven you and cleansed you, and you accept his sacrifice as taking care of your mistakes, then there is to be no more consciousness, no more awareness of sin. You need to not talk about it. Did you hear me? Don't talk about it. Oh, somebody needs to hear that in here tonight. Oh, how you have caused yourself so much agony and you've caused trouble all around you because you won't shut up about it. You keep talking about that mistake. You keep bringing it up to them. The mistake they made. And you keep talking about the mistake you made. Friend, you're either forgiven or you're not. If you're forgiven and you're washed, then God said he will not remember it anymore. Why do you? And the enemy is just duping you and deceiving you. Keeping you in sin consciousness, keeping your faith from working, causing you to fear and be timid and draw back. Say it out loud, no more talk about past sins. They're under the blood. Gone. I'm washed. I'm clean. No more talk. No more talk. Hmm? Somebody else wants to talk about it. You say, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's under the blood. I'm clean. Hmm? No more talk. What do we want to be aware of? Our righteousness in Christ. Then faith comes by hearing. 
If you talk about your sin all the time, you're going to have faith in your sin. If you talk about his righteousness all the time, you're going to have faith in his righteousness. Huh? You ought to just go around all day tomorrow saying, I'm right. Yeah. I'm right. I'm right with God. Totally right. God is pleased with me. He's happy with me. Somebody said, well, what if you got sin in your life? Repent. Confess. Repent means change. Ask God to forgive you and change. Get out of it. And now you can stand back up and say, I'm right. I'm right with God. God's as pleased with me as he is with Jesus. I know that's hard for you to say, but it's either his righteousness or it's not. I'm as right with God as he is. Not because of what you've done, because of what he's done. Oh, hallelujah. You know what that'll do for your faith? You know what that'll do for your prayer life? Mm. You'll just start walking around different. Yeah, I'm right. I'm ready to go to heaven right now. If I died, I'd just go right straight into glory. Yeah, I'm accepted here and now. I'd be accepted then and there. Why? Not because I've done things perfectly. You know I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. Don't talk about that. That's been put away. That's why Jesus came and paid the price. Talk about the result. I've been made righteous. I've been made clean. I've made been made innocent. I'm made just. I'm made right. Oh, keep reading. Keep reading. Oh, I want to skip all this, but then again, I don't. Verse 14. No, verse 12. No, verse 10, verse 10. By the which will, we are, not going to be one day somehow, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest that stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, those animal sacrifices, that can never take away sins. But this man, how many know what man we're talking about here? This man, the man Christ Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Oh, hallelujah. Whereof the Holy Ghost is a witness to us. For after that, he said before, this is the covenant I'll make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts, in their minds I'll write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. No more. No more. Have you repented? Have you believed on Jesus? Does he remember your mistakes? Come on, that was weak, guys. Now think about it. The things that you've been talking about are remember. Does God remember those? How does he do that? He's God. If he says he chooses not to remember something, then he's God. He can do it. Oh, glory to God. Is it true? That he looks at you right now and he does not remember your mess ups. Is it true? You ever missed it more than one time in the same area? You ever missed it more than nine times in the same area? I have. Not necessarily robbing banks or stuff like that, but you just, you know, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. There was one particular area I had messed up and just the same thing. And I mean, over a period of years, the same thing. And you're thinking, this must be the 89th time. Surely it wasn't, but it seemed like that. And you drag into God and you're going, God, I'm sorry, dear Lord. How slow can a fellow be? I mean, <laughs> I don't even want to talk to you about it. I mean, it's, and that's the problem. See, people get where they don't want to talk to God about it, and they just stay in their unrighteousness. I'll never forget. I don't mean to hurt an audible voice, but he spoke to my heart. He said, Keith, I said, 
your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I am not looking at 89 times. All I see is this one we're talking about right now. As soon as you finish repenting, I won't see it anymore. Is that true? Mm. Somebody's getting free in here tonight. Let's read. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So then you forget them. Don't talk about them. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. No more. Having therefore, brethren, what? What happens now? You know God doesn't remember your sins. You know sin is not on you. It's not in you. You've been washed. You've been clean. What happens? Boldness comes up in you to enter into the very holiest. The holy of holies. By the blood of the Lord Jesus. By a new and a living way which he's consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Let us what? Let us what? Boldness to enter in and let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, conscience of sin, awareness of sin and bad stuff, and our bodies washed with pure water, and let us hold fast the profession of our faith. You need to say these things. Profession here means confession. What you say, confess or profess. Confession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. The Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Let them say so. Would it be right to say, let the righteous of the Lord say, say you're righteous. If you're clean, say you're clean. If you've been made holy, say it. If you've been made free, say it. And yet the church for centuries have talked about how unworthy and what sinners and how undeserving. I want you to stand up on your feet right now. And I want us to say some things. If you've never said this, you can say this tonight right now and be saved. If you have, you can reaffirm your faith in Him. But there have been people that have been saved. And yet they've been walking in condemnation. Walking feeling guilty. Walking feeling ashamed. I said it last time, but I'll say it again. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have done things we wouldn't want everybody to know. I mean, I've done things that I wouldn't want broadcast from the platform. But I tell you what, even if you found out that I had said or done something that wasn't like it should be, wasn't right. You can't make me feel guilty about it today. Did you hear me? Not the devil, not my own memory, not anybody else can say, I heard you said this, I, you did this ten years ago. I'd look at you and say, well, I plead innocent. <laughs> yeah, we got charges against you. Well, I've read the manuscript and I have an attorney on retainer. And uh, my plea is innocent. Yeah, but we heard you say, innocent, I'm innocent. <laughs> Yeah, but they saw you. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Amen. And I refuse to feel guilty or to feel ashamed or to feel embarrassed or to feel inferior about any mistake I've ever made. Why? Because it's washed. It's gone by the blood. He remembers it no more. I have been made right. Hallelujah. I don't say it arrogantly, but it's a fact. And you have been made right. Said out loud everybody. Father God. I believe in you. I believe in your son Jesus. That he died on the cross. And paid the full price. For all my sins. All my failures. All my mistakes. I believe it. And I receive. The cleansing of the blood. I receive the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. I receive the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My sins are gone. 
I refuse to talk them. I refuse to remember them, to dwell on them, or live in them any longer. I'm clean. I'm free. I'm made right. Completely right with God tonight. In Jesus' name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.